Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook at the Longhorn Republic Podcast. You can shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who would die defending chopped and screwed music, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Man, I, I, I can't tell you, Gerald, how upset it made me, uh, and you're bringing it right back to the fore, when I saw Slowed and Reverbed or whatever. Someone um, sent me that video of a, a young uh, Caucasian girl um, describing some guy I'd never heard of and how he had invented this thing, and, and actually went in like pictures, video, analysis of like the reason that this was true, um, that he had done this, and just literally never even once acknowledged that a thing called chopped and screwed um, had had happened and been an entire subculture, um, like a real deal thing um, decades before. I, I don't know. And maybe um, this is my uh, <laughs> this is this is my white male privilege of understanding what it uh, feels to have something that is uh, meaningful to you be appropriated by someone else. Um, but uh, man, made me mad. Chopped and screwed forever. Uh, all the legends. I'm not even going to shout anyone out because I just let's leave it at the entire screwed up uh, genre um, is a thing, an important part of American music history. There was a stage in my life where Hold Up Watts was just part of my everyday vernacular, where I would say Hold Up Watts when I needed when I needed to address something, when, when we needed to pause in the conversation, a hey, Hold Up Watts we would, we would bring it back, like that's a real thing, so yeah, the, the, these Gen Zers, they're doing great stuff for the environment and the protesting and all that, but like screw tapes were a thing bef- before your parents probably even met so let's go ahead and just reel it back just a little bit. So we are, now we know, 23 days away from kickoff. Now, the sad part about that is that our previews are now out of order because this was going to be the last game on the schedule, but it's no longer the last game on the schedule. It's somewhere in the middle, and that's fine, but whatever. Uh, Halloween night totally in Stillwater is not terrifying, but... To preview the Oklahoma State Cowboys, we have Philip Slavin of Cowboys Ride for Free, 1012 Podcast, and I feel like 15 or 16 other things. Philip, man, how are you doing tonight? Uh, luckily, my wife has taken our newborn into the bedroom, so this will be the first podcast in the last five weeks in which the sound of a crying child will not at some point be heard in the background, unless, of course, my house actually is haunted, in which case... You might see me again. You might not. The, the, the person standing behind you in your video, I thought was supposed to be there. No, uh, I'll just say I, this is a, if you ever hear me complain on this, on this podcast as the person with the one person with a five week old and then one with a four week old uh, of being tired, please find a way to tweet at me very angry things because I got nothing to say. I, I cannot, I cannot hold a candle to either of you. You wonderful mentions, uh, fulfilling life's greatest duty of being a father. I don't know how to follow that, but <laughs> We'll we'll just jump in. Let's just jump in. Let's just act Let's like it. that's the best. That's the best way to do it. Sometimes it's best to just rip off the band aid. You know, throw away the diaper. Whatever. Yeah, that's that's life right about now. So <laughs> we've got to start like OSU of 
I think there were like two, two or three offenses in the conference that returned as much offensive talent as Oklahoma State. And, and I, it's, it's hard to argue that anybody returns a higher ceiling of talent than Oklahoma State. And, well, we always start with the quarterbacks, but I really – I think we have to start with, with, with the man who should have gone to New York to at least find out he didn't win a Heisman last year, uh, running back Shuba Hubbard, who honestly against a lot of people's better judgment – Decided to come back for another year at Oklahoma State uh, is on the cusp, I think, of of setting so many records. And uh, he was he won Conference Player of the Year, but then didn't get invited to New York. But another player from the conference did, which I still think is absolutely ridiculous. So Chuba had one of the best seasons from a running back I've seen in several years mm-hmm. as the star of the team of an offense that returns a ton of talent. What are the expectations for Chuba uh, in, in this weird 2020 season? All right. Uh, so expectations for Chuba, I think are, you know, it, it's weird because we, we can no longer talk uh, about the season as though the coronavirus isn't here and we're just trying to be optimistic and see what we can see. Um, so if you'd asked me that when we were all still in like, let's pretend as we talk about football, that things are normal. Uh, back then we would all would have said, Heisman season, try and, and, and improve upon his statistics that he put up last year. You know, everyone wants to – the end of the season wasn't the best, um, but you had a whole year where despite the fact that defenses were keying in on him left, right, sideways, and focusing on stopping Chuba, he was still able to succeed and, and put up insane numbers until the end of the season when down – Tylen Wallace is gone, Spencer Sanders is gone. Literally, defenses are just like, let's just stop Chuba. They're not going to do anything because Drew Brown's going to be – Drew Brown, which is fine, but fine doesn't win you a whole lot. So realistic expectations is if you can get a full healthy season out of out of the full offense, what does that open up for Chuba? Can he be even better? And there's a little bit, look, Chuba is awesome. He is fantastic. That that doesn't mean there's not areas that he can improve upon. Okay. He's not the best pass catching back. That is something that he really needs to work on, especially I think that's something he got back as far as like reviews of ongoing into the draft. Something that's very, very important in the NFL nowadays. You really want a running back who can be a, a pass catching back. That's a big the big thing. That's something he can work on. He can be a, a better blocker um, as as a running back. He's a good one, but he's not the best one. So there's there's lots of things that, like that that he can improve upon to make himself even better and more efficient and a better runner and a better player overall this year. Um, I, I think I think it's so weird to be like, what are expectations for a guy that should go to, to, to New York and should be a Heisman candidate? And as good as he was last year, it's one of those situations where, you know, you get guys who come back who have high expectations, who had great seasons. The only way anyone's going to talk about him like that again this year is if he somehow insanely surpasses it. Like he had almost 2,100 yards last year. He's going to have to put up like 28, 27, 28 for people to be like, oh no, we, we love Chuba. Someone's going to talk about somebody else or something. I just, my thing for Chuba is we have him back. Let's enjoy somebody that shouldn't still be in Stillwater who probably should be in NFL playing. Um, and just, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm so excited to see him. I, it's also weird because a part of me is just excited to have football. I'm still not 99. You know, still not 90% sure we're going to have it. So I don't know that I want to have a lot of expectations for him beyond just, man, if we get last year out of him again, um, awesome. I expect him to take a few steps forward, and and hopefully that does. Side note to Chuba coming back and Tylen coming back, you know, for all the crap everyone gives Mike Gundy about not being a good recruiter, I don't know anybody who's able to get more guys who should leave for the NFL to come back for another season more than Mike Gundy. 
it's it's like inside sales versus outside sales. He may not be the best cold caller on outside sales, but once he gets him there, man, he's he's really really good. Um, I, I hate that uh, as you know, <laughs> like when you I heard you say correctly that Chuba should not be there. Like, just come on, you agree with us? Get out of here. We saw it last year. You did great. <laughs> just, no, he shouldn't have. But I, I'm not. I'm not com- as an Oklahoma State fan. I'm not complaining. I know everyone. Of course, else in the Big Twelve is like he should have left. We hated it. It's nonsense. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry for all of you. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse. Uh, it could be TCU or you know. Absolutely, and 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 there there is a guy who we knew was coming back who who had a a devastatingly good game against Texas last year, both with his arm, with his feet. A guy who you know, even though as you mentioned, injuries shortened uh, some of the season last year, he definitely played against Texas, played well, and and played well when he was there through the season. He probably could work some of those turnover issues, but I think for, from a playmaker standpoint, one of the most dy- dynamic playmakers in the country when he's on his game, uh, of course, talking about quarterback uh, Spencer Sanders. I mean, what for him, you've talked about Chuba now for Spencer Sanders, what's the expectation for him this season? He's got to make decisions faster and he has to cut down on the mistakes. Um, turnovers were absolutely killer for him last year. I mean, Five turnovers he was responsible for in the loss to Texas Tech. That's why the loss to Texas Tech. The loss, Oklahoma State lost to Texas Tech because Spencer Sanders had five, was responsible for five turnovers. And not just interceptions, he had, I forget how many fumbles. Like, I can't even keep track of how many turnovers he had last season. It was a lot. Okay. Um, but the ceiling for him is still so high. Remember, this was his first season playing. He's been in the program for a year. But he had an offensive quarter. Then he had a new offensive quarter last year. It was his first year playing. They tried to do a lot with him. They had to simplify the offense to try and, and, and get things back under control for him. He saw his, his mistakes continue and continue. Then came that Baylor game. And he looked a lot better. And then the next week he looked better. And the next week he looked better. And you started to see the mistakes cut down. They started to just focus on what he did really well. Um, I think that will continue. Um, but for him, he has got to get a better grasp of the offense, and he has to trust himself. Adam Lunt, I'm going to give full credit here because he's the guy who says this all the time, so I'm going to quote him. Uh, Adam Lunt, uh, Tape Doesn't Lie, the little time. The point for, for Spencer Sanders is he's got to he, – he makes the right reads, but he doesn't trust himself, so he will not actually throw the ball about a half second to a second after he should. So the guy is in position. He's going to be where he needs to be to catch the ball, and he's going to throw the ball in the right spot. But when he doesn't trust himself, it takes too long and it allows defenders to catch up to wide receivers. So guys, um, defenders to catch up to players he started. So if Sanders can process the information faster, if he can rely uh, and trust himself more, he will he'll start to really reach that ceiling. And as and as it's his legs though. That's that's the thing, man. And when like it's so <laughs> I was talking to with with the my, with Joel who's my co-host for the Cowboys Raptor Free podcast like it Spencer Sanders is that guy who when he's on an opposing team and you have to face him you just curse the crap out of him because just when you think you have him here's a little move and then he's gone for 20 yards and a, and a touchdown but when he's on your team it's just the greatest thing. You're just like, I don't, I don't understand why everybody hates this so much. It's so much fun to watch. This is really fun for us. Like, oh, you do, has a quarterback who does it all the time. It's irritating when Sam Ellinger does it. Because uh, the Big 12 seems to have more and more of these guys all the time. Just when you Brock Purdy, good Lord. Just when you think you've got him, bye. Ooh. Sanders' legs are what makes him good. His arm is good. And if, if he will start to trust himself this year and cut down on the mistakes, his ceiling is so high. 
he has, and let me get this out right, he has the potential to be one of the three best quarterbacks in the Big 12 this year. It's going to be up to him and his development and how good of a job new quarterback coach Tim Rattay does with him. I think that's par- partially you have a new OC. Um, Casey Dunn's been a wide receiver coach for, with, with Oklahoma State for the last, like, 100 years. It's not normal to see a position coach promoted like that. He's obviously not going to coach quarterbacks. That's why they brought Rattay in. And, and if Rattay and him can get on the same page, didn't have a summer to work together, didn't really have a spring to work together, but they can get on the right page and Rattay can, can help him trust himself and cut down on the errors. The ceiling is very, very high for Spencer Sanders. And, and that is, Gerald, you, you kind of mentioned the, the potential for the offense in Oklahoma State this year. We all know the offense will be good. The offense will be as can be so much better if Spencer Sanders is so much better. So uh, to me, the ceiling on this is as high as his ceiling is this year. And Kyle and I went on this podcast and lamented after that Oklahoma State game how there were probably three or four times where Spencer Sanders should have won that game for Oklahoma State. There were times where the Texas tackling looked like the Texas tackling and Spencer Sanders took advantage of that. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a six-point game and he threw two picks. So, like, one of those doesn't go to the other team and that, that game probably flips. And so there, is, there are a lot – there. There is a lot to be worried about, apprehensive about, to keep an eye on when, when Oklahoma State's coming to town with that quarterback. Yeah, I like how we traded Thanksgiving for Halloween for this game. Like, that's – I hate it. Uh, uh, really? Uh, you, I, I, I would like Texas to be earlier in the season. I mean, I can I – can, I, can, I want to get you guys early uh, before everyone's had time to figure everything out because then it'll be, you know, a lot easier than by Halloween where I think you guys will start to get some things figured out. But – it's still better than Thanksgiving. Uh, by then, it'd be like, great. We have a tradition of, of enjoying Thanksgiving games, and I also – I'm going to launch a new tradition here for Longhorn Republic exclusively. We should have a tradition of not playing teams who wear the, the same uniform as David S. Pumpkins on, uh, on, on Halloween. You know, it, you, you don't want the black and, black and orange on Halloween Let's night. just make this a permanent Halloween game. What do you guys say? I like it. I, Everybody <laughs> agree? In ha- use, perfect. Halloween night in Stillwater, they're going to black out, matte black helmets. Uh, there may be eight people in the stands – uh, but all eight of them will be wearing black <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's just Halloween night in Stillwater on the road Spooky. is terrifying that the Texas tech game, the, the Crabtree Texas tech game was mm. a Halloween weekend game. Mm. I'm just, I, I, and I was at that game. I'm still scarred. I'm still absolutely scarred from that. You know, you know what they should do? Cause they haven't said what actual capacity is going to be at Oklahoma state this year. They said limited, but they haven't given a percentage. Can we just don't have any fans? Uh, but just line up all the way around the front row, the whole front row. You can put everybody six feet apart, but just <laughs> line up paddle people around the whole front row, all the way around the entire boom picking stadium and just let them all go at it the whole night. Just let that – no crowd noise. No, just – it'll just be eerily just quiet paddle. except for just thump, 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 thump. All night long. If that doesn't sound like a Halloween game, I don't know yeah. what does. Yeah, that sounds like a terrifying campfire story. Yeah. Mm. And, then thump, and then thump, and then thump. And then came thump, a screeching thump, down the thump. side of the car, and the hooked hand was there. <laughs> thump, thump, thump. Yeah, I like it. Sanders lets the ball go, and on the other side of it's Tylen Wallace, right? No, so that's that's the that's the next thing we got to talk about, right? Uh, is that when you have a quarterback that needs to take a, a step in his development. It doesn't hurt to have Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner and Braden Johnson all coming back 
to a wide receiver group because those were the top three targets last year, and all three of them are very, very good at football. So as we look at Sanders looking to take a next step, one, it's a dumb question to say, like, how helpful is it to have those three guys? Yeah, it's really helpful. Uh, but, like, we're <laughs> – how do you see the distribution going? How do you see the new offensive look taking their talents and Sanders talents kind of and, and building on what was a great core of a passing game last year? So if I understand what I've heard about the offense correctly, um, harken back to the days of Mason Rudolph um, throwing the ball 90 yards down the field to a wide open James Washington and scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. That's more what they want to go back to. They really want the deep game again. So Braden Johnson, Tylen Wallace, just running crazy down the field. Spencer Sanders just chucking balls as deep as he can. I mean, you have a – Oklahoma State always has a good wide receiving core. They've always got one stud and then a bunch of guys that – Outside of the Big 12, you not know who they are, but in the Big 12, you're all like, ah, crap, Dylan Stoner's still there. He's, what is he, like a 12th-year senior? Like, good grief. So you've got Stoner, who I still think, and I did this, I wrote about him a couple of years ago. It, it feels like, what is it, like back in the Brandon Whedon days? No. Um, Dylan Stoner is like the, the reliable, I need, Tylen Wallace is awesome. Brad Johnson's fantastic. Uh, we'd have to complete a pass. We have to get one. We absolutely have to complete a pass. Third down Third and whatever. <laughs> Where's Dylan Stoners? Three guys on him. We're still going to go there. He's still probably going to come down with the ball somehow, some way. Um, OSU seems to have one or two of those, like, you don't want them to be the guy the whole season, but you want them to be a guy all year long that you have. Stoner's awesome. Landon Wolf ha- is – they understand. There are, there are four seniors on this team. You've got Tylen, You've got Stoner. You've got Landon Wolf. Um, D. Anderson, the transfer in from LSU, will be part of the offense as well. You've got guys coming up, Richard Fresh and Langston Anderson, who I think is going to be the next guy up. Um, it's another loaded wide receiver group. And if I remember correctly, the drop rate last year was one of the like three lowest in, was it FBS? Was the Oklahoma State wide receiving group? Like, if Spencer Sanders is on target, they're going to come down with the ball most likely. One other name I'm going to throw out there. He is a true freshman, so don't know how much play he'll actually get. But if, if Brennan Presley is on the field, let me just warn you, kid is a true freshman. He is with some little – he's just a little three-star kid out of Bixby, except he's going to be another one of those, like, three-star – former three-star recruits that Oklahoma State turns into a Bolitnikoff finalist kind of guy. I don't know if he'll see the field much this season. I don't know if they need him to. But if he does, I always think back to someone had asked um, Mike Gundy when they knew Tylen Wallace was going to be Tylen Wallace, and they hearkened back to the Pitt game, the game at Pitt in 2017. He's like, he wouldn't ask him to do much very often. Um, but, but when he was on the field, he always made us do something, made us go, wow. Keep an eye on Langston Anderson and keep an eye on Brennan Presley. I think one of those guys might be the guy to do that this year to go along with an already very experienced and very loaded wide receiver group. Uh, by the way, Tylen Wallace has been practicing, um, and from everything we've seen and heard, he's healthy, 100% ready to go. 
Well, that clearly just just continuing the theme of horror um, as you talk about a loaded wide receiver room. I did want for a, uh, for the, <laughs> for the folks right. at home just a that was good for a point of clarification. When you talked about you wanted to get back to a few years ago, um, the Mason Rudolph that was kind of the ideal offense. Who was the coordinator on that team? Offensive coordinator, uh, Mike Yersich. Look, I, I okay. I have I've been on this show before. I've told I've talked to Gerald about this. I am not a Mike Yersich hater. I am one of the people who likes Mike Yersich very much. I think he did a very good job. People give him a lot of crap. Here's the difference, and, and it's my concern for Mike Yersich at Texas, and it's why I don't understand why he took this job. Tom Herman reminds me a lot of Mike Gundy, of two guys who like to control the offense. If things yeah. remotely start going wrong, they're just going to tighten that back, kind of like any other former offensive coordinator who's a head coach and still likes to be in charge of the offense because I just can't keep the fingers out of it. Uh, like my child finding finally able to reach her snack drawer and eighteen month old just reaches in and grabs her crackers and you're like nope nice thanks no um, I'm a big Mike Yersich fan I go all the way back to is it year he came on in 2014 which everyone always seems to hate him for that even though you're literally out there with Dax Garmin it was like Dax 40 yards or nothing Garmin but he could either throw it deep but nothing in between um, 2015 year they went they started the season 10 and 0. That team had no business being 10-0. No, it was – I always harken back – it was Baylor from last year. Like, it's a really good team, but they probably weren't as good as their record says. It's just that they had some things go their way, right? That was Oklahoma State in 2010. Started 10 – or 2015, started 10-0. and He literally made an, a rushing game out of nothing. Like, we always laugh because when he came from Shippensburg, there was this video of him, like, showing offense with Lego people. He we talked about that. It was great. Yes. He literally made an offense out of Legos, like a running game out of Legos. He had no running game. They would pull Mason Rudolph off the field as soon as they hit the red zone and just put J.W. Walsh in. J.W. Walsh was the running game. Your backup quarterback was your running game. And then I don't even know who they were, like Desmond Rowland. I don't think any running back, anybody rushed for more than like 500 yards that whole season, like on their own. The guy is good. He is a good offensive coordinator. I don't know why. I get why he went to Texas because it's prestigious. Uh, he was probably happy at Ohio State, but he wanted to be the guy. He's going to Texas. Enjoy him. You won't. Uh, I don't think he's appreciated enough. A, B, uh, if things aren't going well, blame Tom Herman. I blame Mike Gundy when things weren't going well at OSU with Yersich. He's not the best in-game adjuster. He's not the best. He has times you're like, hey, dude, we should do something else. Oh, we're going to do it again? Okay. Uh, but I do think he's a very creative offensive guy. I think he'll do a good job in, uh, in, in Austin. And I think, he, I think he'll be really good for Ellinger. We're, we're very excited for, for the quarterbacks he has there. We, we're, you know, when there's no games, no one hates the offensive coordinator because he hasn't you know, screwed up royally right, yet. Right. And he also just landed you know, the number one player in the country in the 2022 class that seemed that his name was linked a lot to that. So right now, if you weren't aware, Texas fans love Mike Yersich. He's, he's a god right now. So uh, until the first game comes and he calls the wrong play once and everyone could have done it better from their couches. But we're not here to break down the Texas offensive coordinator. But you did talk about a, a running game. And I think um, Chuba Hubbard being, being you know, as a effective as he is obviously an offensive line though you are the school that produced Barry Sanders um, but an offensive line is is important to that um, <laughs> and after the news that um, Bryce Bray and, and uh, Jacob Farrell are no longer with the team who steps in and and I mean what does that unit look like uh, when, when the first game kicks off uh, so you went from an off uh, coming into the offseason going we feel really good about the offensive line sure we're going to be really excited lots of guys coming back then Dylan Galloway graduates and goes ahead 
and basically takes a he retires due to medical issues. <clears throat> then you have like, okay, well that's that sucks. We'll be okay. And then you lose the two guys you just mentioned, and then we go, well, well, um, it's not great. It's not great. There are there are upside. Tevin Jenkins is back. He'll be a senior this year, and he is one of the best offensive linemen in the Big Twelve. Um, you bring back uh, Ry Schneider, who has started, I think, six games in the past. He'll take over as I think the starting center. Um, you bring back uh, another redshirt sophomore. You lost two redshirt sophomores. And uh, I think it's Hunter Woodward that started a few games. Um, I think last year started four games because they shuffled this offensive line a lot. Um, the big addition here, though, is Josh Sills. Um, came, he was a graduate transfer from West Virginia. Uh, he's a guy who <clears throat> he had some injuries last season, but he's been a former like all Big 12 offensive lineman. He's got two years of eligibility, which just always feels like cheating when you get a grad transfer. He's like, I got two years left. And you're like, all right, well. Yeah. Sweet. Um, but they're going to be in a situation where you're going to see a lot of guys have to step up. Um, some more sophomores, like uh, there's Hunter Anthony, there's Tyrese Williams. Um, you can probably see some redshirt freshmen coming in. You, know, you, you want to be, with a good offensive line, you want to be eight deep. You want your five starters and you want three guys you can rotate through and however you need to set that up. You take Jenkins, you take uh, Schneider, Sills, and I think uh, and Woodard. That's four you're going to have to have a lot of guys step up. I, I, this is the, this was not the biggest concern on the team heading into the off season. I think it's now the biggest concern on the team heading into the season, because just when you finally think the offensive line is in a good place, built up depth, you're going to have all these guys coming back with lots of experience. You lose three potential starters in the off, or at least two potential starters and one sure thing back up in the off season. And now you're looking at things going, there may be a lot of shuffling of the offensive line of the season. And if some, if one of the guys, if Schneider or Jenkins or a Sills goes down for some reason, get ready for a lot of uh, get the ball out quick and uh, call a quarterback run plays. <laughs> Those quick, we, we call them 90 series passes, right? Just three steps and get it out of your hands. No, um, no, no, no. You should be in the throwing process on step two. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just, fair. Just do that. Now I do think um, when we have the cowboy back position, um, which is our version of the tight end. Um, you've got um, Jelani Woods, former qu- quarterback, turned to Cowboy back. He'll be in his junior year. He's been getting better at blocking. You've got other guys that you feel good about. Dayton Metcalf, Logan Carter, both seniors. Those guys are, are, are I think, better blockers and catchers. Jelani Woods is a better catcher than blocker. Um, they've used these guys in the past to help supplement the offensive line. I think with the shift the offense is taking, you've – They've never, they haven't thrown the tight end a lot over the years, at least not for a while. Um, not since Brandon Pettigrew was, was still on the team. I, I think this is another season where they're going to get some targets, but not a whole lot, unless you just really want to get somebody the ball quickly. I do think you're going to see the Cowboy backs used a lot in pass protection, especially if you're wanting to set up some deep passes, which they want to do. We'll just see if that actually happens. But I, I would expect Cowboy back to be used a lot in helping support the offensive line this season. And Chuba better be able to be a better blocker because they're going to have to call on him too. Something when I, when I covered Oklahoma State for three seasons, it was it, when I first moved up to to, uh, to Oklahoma. And I love talking about the defense because nobody else loves talking about the defense at Oklahoma State. It's never the story. Yeah. But Oklahoma State's defense is, is the thing that honestly scares me the most about them this year because they just bring back so many of their top performers from last year. I think nine of their ten leading tacklers, like you look at the top ten, and nine of those guys, I believe, are back, including uh, Amen, complicated last name, who had 100 tackles. Mongomega. 
yeah, you can, you can sure retweet whatever you just said, um, like a hundred tackles, which is just a ridiculous number 15 for loss, even had an interception. You got Colby Harville Peel who had what five picks last year. So like the, the Oklahoma state defense is going to be, I think way, way, way better than most people are giving them credit for. Okay. So there was a, a, I'm really glad you said that. There's a graphic that I wish you put out months ago. I wrote about this for a couple of for free. I was talking about these, these stats that I really like. Um, the, st- the, the graphic, I think people misinterpreted because people saw it. And it basically like held six teams below their, their scoring average or their average, right? Everyone's like, you held six of 13 teams under. That's not good. That's, that's below average. Like, this is a stupid tweet. Um, what they missed, so I, I went and looked at it. I was like, okay, so what, but what, what, which six was those? Was that Tulsa and the FCS team? Was that like the, the worst teams you played? No, it was all the teams on the back end of the schedule. So the last six teams you played were the ones we were taught, the graphic was specifically talking about. I believe it did mention like the last six teams or six of the last seven held them under their scoring average. Um, Last year was year two for defensive coordinator Jim Nelson. We'll get to the returning production in a minute. And, and when he was hired, change in defensive strategy, they were going to have to build you – know, you, you needed different players to play his style. Um, and it was going to take time to not only recruit those players in but develop those players up to being ready to go, right? Um, so the, the target date was year three. That would be 2020. So you have a lot of guys who have been starters since they were freshmen, like true freshmen, red shirt freshmen, sophomores, who are all entering their junior and senior year. This year, year three of Jim Knowles' defense, having played in it and prepared for it, and this was the target. I think literally OSU has been building to 2020, which is why this whole virus thing really sucks for Oakland State this year. They have been building to 2020 knowing that this was supposed to be the, the big year, not just for the team as a whole, but they knew they could get a if the defense was going to work, if Jim Knowles was going to work coming over from Duke, coming to Oklahoma State, we were going to find out this year. So that's one reason I have a lot of excitement for the defense because if you look at the progress, the progress they continue to make at the back end of last season, you can really point to the – it's been a while since we could say that Oklahoma State's defense won them games. Oklahoma State defense won them the game against Iowa State, hands down. I think Oklahoma State's defense is the reason that they beat TCU last year. Uh, the Oklahoma State defense is the reason – they were in the bowl game and the offense literally couldn't do anything but the defense kept them in the game. The defense last year at the back end of the season was the thing and the reason Oklahoma State had the eight-win season that they had. So um, I understand talking defense into the Big 12 is faux pas and all those sorts of things, but whatever. I, and I know people like to poke fun at Oklahoma State's defense. And there may not be a lot of draft picks on this defense. There probably aren't. I don't care. It's a good unit. To talk about returning production, and I don't want to go over it, we can break this up. Um, according to Bill Connolly's numbers, he does that returning production number every year, and he had OSU at number nine overall. And I think that would drop because of the losses on offensive line. Offense was returning 75% of its production. Defense is returning 86%. That ranks eight, eighth nationally of the returning production on the defense. Here's a fun thing you may not know. Um, I would argue I don't care about talent. Oklahoma State has the best linebacking core in the Big 12 this year. We mentioned Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga. We forgot to talk about Malcolm Rudd. He's a stunt linebacker. Oh, by the way, remember that guy Calvin Bundage who just seems like the Tasmanian devil on the field that didn't play last year because he had a back injury? Calvin Bundage is back for this year. He decided to also not go to try and try out the NFL, so he's back. So you basically have three starting like linebackers ready to go, plus you got a, a Juco guy named Lamont Bishop that you brought in. Um, 
the linebacking core for Oklahoma State is going to be relied on a lot, and they're really good. And I think they're the best linebacking core in the Big 12. And I may be me just wearing my orange shaded lenses, but mm, I think they're going to be really, really good. I, I don't doubt that at all. That we I think we've had a couple podcast uh, guests for various teams make similar claims. I would open it up to an end of season linebacker batter royale. That is a an area that Texas, um, uh, you know, we, we we have good players, but not the depth that you just talked about. Or, or you know, we, we're watching ours. We're not throwing our hat in that ring to necessarily be that. I'd love to be surprised at the end of the year, but we'll get you, uh, Levi, uh, who had some things to say about Iowa State. I believe even Andy, uh, Kansas was was raving about. Um, what they could potentially have in, in that unit. So, um, I, I, but I, I do agree with you, Philip. I think it's a nice, nice unit there. I just like to uh, stir the pot with our, our Big Twelve uh, hosts and kind of pit y'all against each other. Just a thing we like to do here on uh, on the Long <laughs> Republic. I, I would be happy to go mano a mano with with uh, with Levi, even at his drunkenness, and uh, and my good friend and sometimes ten twelve podcast co host Andy Metz about the great things about the Kansas Jayhawks. I love them. They're cute. Uh, sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, that, uh, because the other thing with that is, it's great if you have a nice linebacking unit, but if the rest of your defense isn't very good, how good are they really going to be? So yeah. you take Oklahoma State's linebacking unit, who I think is really good. You pair it with the safety core of Colby Harvell, Peel, uh, Trey Sterling, Tanner McAllister, um, a very, very nice safety core. You get cornerbacks over Darius Williams, who's returning now. He's going to be the guy. He's only been number two to AJ Green. He's going to be the guy. You bring in Christian Holmes, transfer a grad transfer from Missouri, who's started games in the SEC, so he can't be terrible. And Missouri's usually got a pretty good defense. Um, and some guys behind them, Jarek Bernard and Thomas Harper, who are going to be solid backups. And then I think you could argue the defensive line is they bring a lot back this year um they really didn't lose anything but it, it you know just because you bring guys back doesn't mean that that immediately means improvement but i would argue that the defensive line and defensive end position this year will improve upon last year for a couple of reasons number one um trace ford is a rising star in the big 12 he was a true freshman last year um he should only get better uh israel antwine the guy who transferred in from colorado it took a while to get his like approval stuff, paperwork. I don't understand. So he didn't even start playing until the Texas game. He continued to improve as the season went on. Uh, if Arkansas transfer defensive end Colin Clay is given uh, the okay to play right away, which he's not a quarterback, so probably not, um, that would be a big addition. Plus, again, you lost one backup off the defensive line while your starters return, and you, you've brought in some really nice pieces. I, I think the, the – the crown jewel defense of Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. Many would say 2011 because of all the turnovers. I would argue it was the 2013 team, the team that should have won the Big 12 if, what's his name, had not dropped the interception against OU in that game. Or, you know, they'd picked the right quarterback from the get-go and you didn't have a loss at West Virginia. That was stupid. Um, that defense was really, really good. Uh, 2011 was really good, but it was also predicated on Turnovers, 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 turnovers. Um, ben, don't break. You can give up some points, but we're going to score 100. Um, I, I think this is the best defense Oklahoma State has had since 2013. I think it could potentially be if – I don't want to say the best defense Mike Kennedy's ever had. I don't, I don't think the talent level is there as it's been to 2013 or 2011, but I do think this is going to be one of the best defenses they've had, the best defense in 2013 and one of the best defenses Mike Kennedy's had in the order. Well – I'll just say that you're you're now 
you're taking the fun away. So let's get back into the fun because I don't want to hear uh, about, you know, uh, I want to shoot out when we play Oklahoma State. Let's each get 60 and see who gets there first. But anyways, let's move to the portion that people really come to this podcast for. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You you got it. Um, I mean, we, we feel pretty good about Dicker the Kicker. So we, that is an area we'll throw our hat. Uh, With a name like Dicker the Kicker, like you <laughs> – that's either that's either the best nickname ever because you're awesome or the worst nickname ever because you're terrible. You're absolutely right. And we also I also clarified when Levi was on here that you pronounce it Connor Asali for Iowa State. So I think Dicker the Kicker is the the best uh, name in in the Big 12 again. Um, uh, pronunciation and pending for the Iowa State kicker, but uh, I, moving into kind of the, uh, the the bread and butter here, we're going to keep it keep it funky, keep it light. We're going to come at you with some unprepared questions. Uh, you give us the first thing that comes to mind. Speak with your heart, uh, not as much your brain. Um, this this year, I've been calling this section "Hooked Them." Gerald hates it. This is our last preview, so we we we've had to stick with it. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to tee Gerald up because I. I, I I love this question, and I actually double love it this week. So, Gerald, I'm going to tee you up for the first one in Hooked Them. So, I've officially gone 11 for 11. I missed one week and wasn't able to do it, but Kyle held it up for me. So, I have found a WWE connection for every school on Texas's schedule. So, for Oklahoma State, it was harder because um, they have real wrestlers that do things like go to the Olympics and end up doing MMA. But I found one. Like Cormier? Exactly, right? Like Randy Tour, Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, they, they do real they do real wrestling, right? They do they do MMA. They don't they don't not do wrestling wrestling. Yeah. There's right. But Gerald Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe, is a WWE Hall of Famer who wrestled at Oklahoma State way back when. And so I, I, I found these to simply make the connection of he was at Oklahoma State, ended up in the WWE. If there was a player on the Oklahoma State roster currently, on their football roster, that had to or was going to the WWE, who would they be and what would their name be? Mm. I'll give you a toss-up right here. You can take Chuba Hubbard and you can just say he's going to have a finished move called tub dumping. Um, but you- <laughs> if you want to pull up the roster, we are, I have the roster in front of me. That's the problem. Like I'm <laughs> staring at it right now. I have, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I have the scholarship count. This is how I organize the roster is by uh, scholarship so I can keep track of recruiting. Mm. Um, I mean, for name alone, if I'm going to pick somebody who would be a, I just want to, I mean, Amin Ogbong Bamiga. First off, I would love to hear announcers try and say that on a regular basis. <laughs> Plus, I mean, if his finishing move is, uh, is take him to hell. Like, that seems appropriate Ooh. for a guy named Eamon. Let's see. Uh, Lamont Bishop is a linebacker. So if Lamont Bishop, by the last name, the Bishop, uh, we could do a similar joke. Or I could say <laughs> you could uh, you could king them. Uh, it's the last movie we make a chess reference because I'm a big nerd. And again, baby brain. Um, for just for fun names, if we're going to do that way, uh, there's a Joe Mikulski. And I really want to make a Monsters, Inc. like Mike Wazowski reference. And I'm not sure how to make it work because, again, baby, I don't brain. So yeah. I'll go with Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga and take him to hell because you can just imagine, take him to hell as he just slams the out of him and, into some sort of like sacrilegious image, of course, because it's WD and we got to make it wrestling, <laughs> not wrestling. And I just love the idea of good old JR having to uh, having to shout that supporting an, an Oklahoma State wrestler um, doing the finishing move. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, famous alumni, 
Um, this is this is one that I like. I, I, I've, I've asked just maybe just once, but I'm bringing it back here because I, I like it. We have a famous uh, alumni named the Minister of Culture, Matthew McConaughey. Um, and he, he had a famous uh, a famous role in, in Days of Confused and in, in, in a famous line in that movie. He keeps getting older. Uh, girls stay the same age. So there's a couple um, a couple people here uh, on a, the famous OSU alumni list that I, I was totally off when I tried to guess their age. And so I'm just curious. I'm going to give you some names. And the goal here, let's say plus or minus. Does five sound good? I'm going to be generous because the baby brain. Uh, your goal is to try to get within plus or minus five years of this person's age when I ask you. So you, you shout out the number and I will mm -hmm. give you the fact check. So I'm going to start, I think, relatively easy. I think. Um, country music hall of fame superstar, uh, formerly known as Chris Gaines. Obviously, we're talking about Garth Brooks. Fifty-three. You hit the you hit the plus or minus five right in the head. He's fifty-eight years young. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I I thought I maybe you guessed sixty. I figured he's in his fifties. I was trying to figure out a good. I thought if you guessed sixty, you'd get the plus or minus right there with the two. We we're we're on the same decade. All right, so we'll go. I think this one should be obvious. A little bit younger. Uh, Ricky Fowler. Let's see. Okay, so he'd still be in his. Is he twenty-nine now? He is 31 years old, which I actually, I don't know, because he's been around so long. I thought he was like 35. I actually thought he was a little bit older. but No, nah, uh, he's not. He's not. I, I couldn't remember if he'd hit 30 or not. I knew he wasn't like, I knew he wasn't 35. I'm, nah. I'm 36. He isn't as old as I am. So there you go. That's the good range. All right. So a guy who, who definitely in the sports world, but is older than you, um, could have also applied to Gerald's famous wrestler question um, as he was on the receiving end of a finishing move. Of course, we're talking about Robin Ventura. Ooh, he's seventy-five. Mm, Fifty-three. Robin Ventura. Man, uh, <laughs> about to charge <laughs> the mound the next time he sees Philip. <laughs> so we have our first uh, egregious miss. Um, another guy who who you can't pinpoint if you saw a picture of him because he's just dastardly handsome. The 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 man from X Men. Uh, like no Paul Paul Rudd wasn't at Oklahoma State. <laughs> I, the reason I actually asked this question in the first place is because I did Kansas with Andy and, and it was a Paul Rudd question about how he doesn't age, but a similar, similar man who doesn't seem to age as long as he's on the screen. That's right. I'm talking about Westworld's uh, own James Marsden. Marsden. Uh, Marsden. Yeah. Um, 45. 46. You're right on it. Uh, and then I think the best one, cause I had no idea that he was in Oklahoma state, uh, I think he's one class short of being an alum, but associated with the university. Uh, Gary Busey, Baytown, oh, yeah. Texas's own. Have you, have you not seen, so when the brand new video board went up in the end zone uh, for the first year, when, when the opposing team has to kick a field goal into that direction, they have a crazy Gary Busey like, <laughs> video that they – throw up there to try and mess with the kicker. This is a legitimate thing. And it's, it's crazy. Gary Busey, like freaking out. It's all like orange and black and stuff. It's yeah, it's, it's a thing. Um, oh, like he looks like he's like 90 because he's so just, you know, haggard at this point. Mm -hmm. um, man, he wasn't, he was 68. So 
a man who you think is younger than Robin Ventura, uh, you just missed on the plus or minus five. Gary Busey clocking in at 76. But I do think icing, <laughs> folks, you heard it here first. Icing the kicker is over. Busing the kicker is the new trend. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's my favorite tidbit so far we've got on the podcast. It's beautiful. I will find, it. There's a photo of it. I will find it for you. It's, it's something to see. I love it. Can you imagine the new the new video screen at Texas in the South End Zone when a kicker is coming up to to kick and you see maybe Owen Wilson pop up and just sit with a wow right before <laughs> <laughs> right before the play starts? That would be just absolutely incredible. Uh, so this is this is just more of an opinion question. So Philip, um, over the summer, Stillwater Institution Eskimo Joe's considered changing their name they did a poll they got some people and i don't care about the, the whether or not you think they should have or should not have but okay, if they had changed it <laughs> you don't want to go down that path yeah we, we've already we've already we've already got some reviews because of other opinions but it's fine so if you had to pick a new name for an institution at oklahoma state like eskimo joe's what what name would you go with and what would what would their new drink specials be based on that name? Um, well, if you want to name something, it's still our, hmm. I think it's got to be Weed and the Blackman. It's all one word. That's Blackman. the name of it. Um, and the, uh, oh, what was the, um, again, baby out of the brain, forgive me. What is the name of the, pl- the red zone play where you throw it to the guy in the corner? The fade. Thank you. Um, that is the drink name because that's that they would do that to everybody and no one could stop it. Um, so you're going to have the fade, um, but you 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 have to take it while leaping up over someone else. <laughs> you then have to take the shot and then come back down. So that's the way. The only way to take the fade is though, as you are trying to catch the fade, you've got to put one arm up while you do it too. If you're going to do it right, so that would be the shot. Um, that's amazing. I don't <laughs> shoot liquor anymore. So like if I, if it's not sipping whiskey, you know, so I'm not sure what to put in said cocktail. I'm sure some, <laughs> someone, one of the dumb 19, 20 year olds currently probably lined up on the strip trying to get hammered with no mask on and right on top of the person in front of them could do a better job picking the alcohol than I can. Um, Cause I just sip whiskey and drink beer. I, I love I, I love that mainly because also you just pointed out that the 19 to 20 year olds you don't know this but they would naturally just say get faded because I think that's what the kids say when they when they get drunk oh. these days that's the that's the youth nomenclature uh, youths if you if you have any questions tweet at Gerald to tell him don't tweet at me and if and if you have too many of them then you and your roommate will catch the fade which is also a way to say you will have a fist fight oh that's good. Oh. I, I feel I officially felt like dad territory when I used the term it's a bop and I realized I should never use that term again. <laughs> Especially when referencing a Harry Styles song. So we're just oh, gonna no. just erase that. I Watermelon Sugar is a good song. I hate that I like it. I can't when it comes on, I'm just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Good music is good music. <laughs> no shit. Even if it is a styles. Uh, well, F- Philip, that's amazing. I don't know that we're going to end on a hotter take than than the defense <laughs> of all things Harry Styles from a Big Twelve football, uh, mainly podcast. But uh, man, if the people want to hear more of your beautiful, beautiful music and um, art house cinema uh, takes, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, I wish I was as funny when I was hosting my own show as I am when I go on other people's. Um, you can check out my show, the Ten Twelve Podcast. We cover 
as we say, all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, 10 12 Podcast is available anywhere podcasts and gets, T-E-N-1-2 Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and on the Gram. I think that's how the, the youth nomenclature is, the Gram now, because we have to abbreviate everything and have been since 014. No, that's not a good abbreviate. 14 odd, I don't know. Uh, you can also check me out uh, covering Oklahoma State, the team that we were talking about here. The Cowboys ride for free. Uh, we are the Oklahoma State SB Nation site. Yes, SB Nation is still around. I don't know how either. They probably shouldn't hear me say that, but whatever. Uh, I also am the co-host of the Cowboys ride for free podcast with my good friend Joel Penfield. We just put out an episode talking about the Oklahoma State schedule and why I love it and hate it and the Oklahoma State basketball men's basketball non-conference schedule which when it comes out is like Christmas morning for me because I'm a weird scheduling geek even though I highly doubt we're actually going to play that slate of games I don't know how else to follow that like that's perfect like what else what else do I do you are you are a professional Philip, thank you again so much, and and we will uh, obviously we'll do this again soon. All right, so we now come to our uh, final segment of this show. Uh, after a nice interview, there we're calling this the large screen, formerly known as the Godzillatron segment. Obviously, Texas celebrates its new screen being pretty much finished in uh, the South End Zone, but we're still keeping our segment going strong. So, Gerald, during these times, what are you watching? On your screen. So uh, HBO on Sunday premiered a new show called Lovecraft Country. I talked about the the book probably a few weeks ago because I wanted to, to read air quotes since I do audiobooks. I wanted to read the book before the show came out. And the show for me lived up to the hype. Uh, the cast was incredible. Uh, it was really well acted. I did not expect it to be so beautifully shot, but like the the framing of the shots and the color palette, and they actually recreated some really famous civil rights photos in the sh- in like the travel because the first episode is kind of a road trip episode, and so um, there's a there's a really famous picture of uh, a, a mom and her daughter in these beautiful white dresses standing below a, a neon colors only sign, and they recreated that shot, and it was beautiful. And then they recreated there was a uh, um, there's like an American dream picture of like a, of, a, of a family in a car and it's like there's no place better to live and then there's like black people lined up in a bread line in front of that sign and they recreated that in the show as well so it's beautifully shot beautifully uh, beautifully crafted show and again what I like about it the most and I'll, I'll try not to spoil anything for anybody but the whole point of like this narrative and this this book and now the TV show, is juxtaposing and kind of putting side by side like the horror elements of like H.P. Lovecraft with you know the 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 many-eyed monsters and and horrors that are indescribable and kind of setting them alongside the real-world horrors of Jim Crow South and segregation and sundown towns and all of that and so the like the the racist sheriff in the sundown county is as scary if not scarier than the monsters that they encounter like 15 minutes later and so it's just such a well well done piece of cinema and i love that um there was this like conversation online that was like i didn't know what sundown towns were but i googled it that's awful right um it's so there there's like an educational aspect to it as well. So it's just, again, it's really, it's not, it's not one to like watch with the family. There are like monsters and racists. And so like things you don't want to expose like your children to, but I think if you're of an age and that's something that speaks to you and you're interested in that Jordan Peele is the executive producer. Um, the, the writer 
uh, the the kind of the showrunner uh, was the showrunner on another show called Underground that's actually really good. Uh, but you can check it out. It's on HBO. Uh, it's called Lovecraft Country, and I am loving it. That's a, a great recommendation. You said monsters and racists, though. They're not both monsters. Um, but I, I'll just say that um, I don't do horror, but you've almost talked me into it because um, it's such an interesting uh, interesting idea there. So I, I, um, I, I'm, I guess I'll, I'll do one quick and then a longer one because I need to, to meet the theme. And we always cheat on this. But I did watch um, The British Office, the first season of that. I've been meaning to watch that for literally like 15, 20 now years. Um, obviously loved the the American version, the British uh, office. It's odd. If you haven't seen it, it's it's funny. It's very British in its humor. There's certainly some references that Americans may go over your heads. They're both dated and also very British. Um, I'm pretty, because I've followed English soccer for years and uh, have, I don't know, I'd say I, I'm relatively well-versed in, in English culture enough uh, more than the average American anyways and there's stuff that goes over my head I'll say that um, but the thing that struck me the most is, is if you're a fan of the American office just how much they lifted like word for word role for role clothing for clothing item for item from the British office like it just like the first multiple episodes um, because I watched the American office first were literally repeats I know the American office were repeats but of things that had happened there so it's just interesting um, obviously running for as many seasons as it did they found whole new uncharted water and that's where the genius lied but it was interesting. If you're a fan of The Office, um, I know there's like three different Office podcasts you could be listening to, but you could also take a little time. They're not as long, only two seasons, and check out The British Office. What I really wanted to talk about was um, something I haven't been watching, but I've been listening to. Um, in our kind of crazy times and, and you know, as, as wild as it's been, uh, everything going on, uh, it, it, there's kind of something nice to have like a a blanket put on top of you, a, a nostalgia, a feel for childhood when things weren't so scary and you could just run around outside um, and one of the things in my childhood if you just close your eyes and, and, and imagine and listen uh, to the Reading Rainbow theme song playing in your ears is a podcast that's not particularly new it's been around since 2017 but I discovered it relatively recently called LeVar Burton Reads um, and it's basically an audiobook of a short story um, usually they're 30 to 40 minutes um, the stories he chooses are phenomenal he's chose uh, he's picked stories from uh, Murakami from Kurt Vonnegut from Toni Morrison just some of the best writers of literally all time um, and people who aren't maybe necessarily known for their short stories and only did a few and just really interesting picks that he has and then it's his voice it's his storytelling it's the pseudonymous the way he cre creates various characters um, with his voice and his his I mean he's just perfect and it's the most soothing comforting experience I've ever had I'm not a huge audiobook guy um, but I kind of think if he read every audiobook that I might be more of an audiobook guy but something about the kind of really digestible short story format where they're 30 to 40 minutes and you get just a full story uh, read to you just I mean it's it's like I said it's like putting a blanket on top of you of just warmth wrapped up it's it's wonderful it's reading rainbow for adults and literally everyone should uh, should take a listen I mean we probably just should have reading rainbow for adults like let's just do that right I would uh, be yeah so I like I dabbled in LeVar Burton reads and then like I think you said it came out in 2017 and I had a kid like right around that same time. And so like that sacrifices had to be made. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's something that like, I want because like I love LeVar Burton as a person. He's hilarious. Um, yeah. And so I really want to get into that as well. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the Internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail 
Patreon.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook 'em. Hook 'em. Butterfly in the sky. 